Welcome back to the Jesse Golden Podcast. I have a juicy one for you today. And by juicy, I mean one that is hopefully going to be very helpful for you because we are talking all about why fat loss is so hard because it is when you're talking about a way that is sustainable and allows you to keep the weight off while also honoring your relationship with food and what you can do about it. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. Firstly, we have biological barriers. Okay? And I want to preface all of this with this is not an exhaustive list. So you might say, well, there's something else that she didn't add that very well could be the case. These are most of the big players here. So when we think of our biology, resources were scarce for the vast majority of human history, right? So we are designed to gain fat and to hold on to it. At the same time, it was also not in our best evolutionary interest to be overly sat either, as that would have made us bait for predators. But life aligned, the whole entire environment aligned up into relatively recently for us to be lean. Resources were scarce. We didn't have to worry about being overly fat when we're thinking about the entire scope of human history. Really interesting, holding a lot of muscle is not evolutionarily in our best interest either. So it can be difficult for a lot of people to hold on to a lot of muscle mass until you hit a new muscle mass settling point. Basically, your body gets used to holding on to that much muscle, and then you don't have to fight as hard to hold on to it. That's more just an aside. Now, when we think about things that impact our drive to eat, biologically speaking, so we have hunger and leptin. And leptin is a satiety hormone that is regulated by our body fat. So the more body fat that you lose, typically the less leptin you're going to have. So the less satiated you are going to feel, which means more hunger. Interestingly, for all those who might have a low-carb background, I was a die-hard low-carber for a very long time. We hear a lot about insulin, right? Insulin is the reason that people are sick and fat. Insulin increases leptin. It allows you to feel more satiated. So that is something to keep in mind. So leptin is very, very important. Ghrelin is our hunger hormone. Leptin is our satiety hormone. Okay. Further, our brains will obsess about food when mentally or physically restricted for too long and or with too many extremes. And this is brilliant, right? Our brain is going to obsess about something if we need it to survive. So this is why if you've been dieting, doing yo-yo diets for, I don't know, years, decades, for me, it was almost a decade, it makes complete sense that when I was severely restricting carbohydrates or not eating nearly enough, that my brain would be fixated on food. Thank you, brain, because you were telling me that I need more food in order to sustain long-term health. And there are nuances here because if you're thinking, well, then why would you ever go in a calorie deficit? I didn't feel any of those things when I went through my recent fat loss phase last year in October. So right around this time in 2021, I embarked on a fat loss phase, lost five to six percent of my body fat from that time into January. And I was not fixated on food at all, but I was in a calorie deficit. So I want you to think of things if you're doing trying to achieve fat loss in a, I mean this politely, lovingly, but in a stupid way, then this is what the impact is going to be. Typical fad diet history that many women have. 
Okay. So you have to focus on healing your relationship with food. If you have this history of ruminating and obsessing about food, fat loss is going to be very, very difficult for you. This is why I'm always harping on heal your relationship with food first. You're going to be dead in the water. You are going to have a very, very, very small chance of maintaining any of your results if you do not heal your relationship with food first. If you are fixated on food and obsessing about food and don't even trust yourself to feed yourself properly without stress and without complete trust in yourself and your body, and you're trying to put fat loss on top of that, good luck. That is going to be a shit show. And it was a shit show for me for a very, very long time. So I feel your pain and I know the temptation, but healing your relationship with food is very important. And that unhealthy relationship with food is often, at least partly, caused by trying to achieve fat loss in a misinformed way. Another thing that happens, biologically speaking, is decreased meat. So there are four elements of our total daily energy expenditure or the amount of calories that we burn throughout a day. And this is ever-changing. It's not a static number. But meat is our non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And that's basically all the movement that we're doing throughout the day that isn't planned or intentional exercise. So if you're running errands or you're fidgeting, you're throwing your hands around, blinking, things like that. It might seem small or insignificant, but those things add up to a lot of energy burned throughout the day. And this is highly variable. So some people, when they are in a deficit, their meat decreases quickly and pretty significantly, which leads to them plateauing very quickly. So this is something to keep in mind. I did go into this in uh, quite a bit of detail inside of Sustainably Lean Academy how to know which one you are if you have an adaptive metabolism, meaning that it's harder for you to gain weight and it's harder for you to lose weight because your meat adjusts accordingly. So meat is something that you definitely need to understand and pay attention to. Fewer calories are also required for a smaller body. So as you lose weight, as your body weight shrinks, and some people, this is why I'm a huge advocate of strength training and putting on muscle, but if you're not putting on muscle, your body weight is just decreasing. And of course, this is going to be different for everyone. If you have 100 pounds to lose, they don't expect you to be putting on 100 pounds of muscle. But if you can keep your body weight higher, especially the leaner you get, you're going to be able to eat a little bit more. But no matter what, if you're going from 200 pounds to 150 pounds, you have a smaller body, so less food is required, and you're going to have to get used to eating less food. That's just in terms of your habits. Now, stress is also extremely, extremely important. And I think people roll their eyes when I talk about stress and sleep. It's like, yeah, yeah, we hear about that all the time. It makes such a big difference in terms of your eating habits. So if you're just trying, seeking short-term relief, right, it's very common. I just want to soothe this discomfort by having some type of really delicious food or beverage, but there are also biological impacts to that as well that make fat loss more difficult and make gaining muscle a lot more difficult. And most of us are not taught how to manage stress, how to deal with our emotions. So those are massive, massive roadblocks for a lot of people. Sleep, super important. And I know new mothers are going to punch me in the face when I say that, but it's true. It just is what it is. I'm not saying that everyone's ability to sleep well is the same, but to the best of our abilities, that's something that we should definitely be focusing on when it comes to sleep. And I'll be going through how to actually 
manage these things here in a little bit. I'm not just going to give you a, a full list of doom and gloom here, but consistency is really important with sleep. And then this is very important to understand as well, lack of exercise. So we are a sedentary society. And what lack of exercise does is it inhibits our satiety and appetite regulation. When you exercise, you are more sensitive to your appetite and satiety signals. Exercise truly is so, so helpful for your health, for your relationship with food, for your relationship with your body, and for your body composition. Exercise is so incredibly important. Okay, so those are some of the big biological reasons. Pardon me while I sip my coffee. Now let's talk about social barriers. Socially, not everyone has the same deck of cards. Let's just say that. And we're not going to go into all the reasons why and what to do about that. It's just how can we work with the deck of cards that you were dealt, okay? So in terms of environment, different parts of the country, different towns are going to have different grocery stores, different restaurants. Then you have to consider your workplace. What is the environment within your workplace? If you're working for a super hip tech company, they're probably going to have a lot of healthy options. If you're in one of the coastal big cities like New York or San Francisco or LA, you're probably going to have a lot of healthy options around you. When I personally go to uh, where my mom's family is from in Wisconsin, a small town in Wisconsin, very, very few healthy restaurant options there. That's fine. It is different from you know New York, Denver, LA, what have you. That's okay. I just have to make more of an effort. So just something to consider. And then of course, of course, your home environment is important as well. Upbringing and modeling. Everyone had different upbringing and modeling when it comes to relationship with food, when it comes to healthy habits or lack thereof. Relationships, very important. The habits of those you spend time with and Western culture at large. Western culture, particularly, and I can speak for America, of course, because I'm American, is not designed for us to thrive. It is not designed for us to be healthy. So we have to make a concerted effort to be healthy. We have to be anti-culture in a way in order to live the life that we want to live. And this became crystal clear to me when I was in New York. Yes, there are a ton of options there, but it's high stress. It is focused on grinding. It is not focused on well-being. And I'm not talking about weight loss here. I'm just talking about well-being with this specifically. You're going to have to fight for yourself when it comes to relating to culture at large and be comfortable being, not being a normie, going against the grain. And of course, those you spend your time with more intimately. So if your partner or your close friends do not give a shit about their health or you know maybe even the opposite, then that is going to be a barrier for you. And then time having more or less than others and having less time than Beyonce because that statement is just such bullshit. Everyone has the same 24 hours in a day as Beyonce. Okay, we also don't have a private chef, private trainer, all these things. Not to say she doesn't work very, very hard. But again, it's not about, okay, everyone should have the exact same resources and you know life isn't fair in that way. However, just acknowledge that some people are going to have more or less time. New mothers are going to have less time than those who aren't probably. Those who have a ton of career responsibilities are going to have different time management than others, et cetera. Then we have emotional barriers. So stress, 
financial stress, relational stress, physical, right? If you're having to deal with chronic health issues, I was there. I completely understand what that feels like. Lack of stress management tools, like I mentioned previously. A history of trauma can absolutely think, make things more difficult when it comes to your connection to your body, your safety within your body, and lack of experiencing managing. Lack of experience managing discomfort is another really, really important one. So if you are not comfortable in this, I talk about this in a lot of my courses, is you need to work on emotional regulation skills and learning to feel comfortable being uncomfortable. That was one of the biggest things I had to do when it came to overeating was just sit with the discomfort of that habit that I had built of having to feel, you know, 110% stuffed after every single meal having this scarcity mentality, I had to train myself to feel comfortable sharing food, leaving food on my plate, listening to my body instead of that impulse. And it really was just, okay, I'm going to have to accept that I'm uncomfortable until this becomes a habit, until my brain feels safe with this. And also ill-informed strategies. Okay, so when you have been in the society at large when it comes to dieting and diet culture is misused oftentimes diet culture is not low carb and things like that diet culture is the belief that you are more worthy when your body is thinner hey that's what diet culture the original definition is so when i'm talking about ill-informed strategies it's just fad diets okay or things that are not set up for you to be successful long term some of these And this might trigger some of you because some people are diehards about these things. I was too. Totally get it. Meal plans. So what this often leads to is fear of foods not on the plan. And it doesn't teach skills or allow for personalization. So I used to love to look at what I ate in day videos. I was obsessed. And so I'd look at those and then I would try and copy what these women were eating. I didn't like half the shit on there. Why am I trying to eat things? I hate quinoa. Why am I trying to sit there and eat quinoa? Why am I trying to eat these things that I don't enjoy because someone else enjoys them? Or some man in Timbuktu wrote down that I should be eating salmon for breakfast. No, thank you. It doesn't teach you skills. It doesn't teach you to learn what do you like and how to customize from there. Low-carb, paleo, carnivore, vegan, pro-metabolic, celery juice, etc. These things can work if it's a matter of, okay, I'm just trying to see what I enjoy. If you're trying to learn about your personal preferences, and some people have results where they achieve, you know, the body composition results that they're looking for, they get leaner, but these results are indirectly caused by reducing calories. And this is important to understand. So for example, when I did my first low carb diet at 16, I lost weight very quickly. And because of that, I didn't understand correlation versus causation. I said, oh, carbs are the reason why. And that's what the rhetoric was at the time. Shout out to the Atkins era, right? However, that was indirectly causing the weight loss. What was actually the mechanism at play, the biological mechanism was a calorie deficit, an energy deficit. And that led to me focusing on the wrong thing for you know, almost 10 years. And it leads to demonizing food. So it leads to a lot of confusion. And oftentimes you just dig in harder because many people form identities around these things like I did. I was a low carb die hard. That was part of my identity. So I had a really hard time shifting that. 
And these ill-informed strategies lead to a poor relationship with food, food obsession, lack of body trust, low self-esteem, yo-yo dieting, and more. So the further you go down the drain with these things, just think of it as a little spiral downward. You get darker and darker because you're deeper and deeper into the abyss. And before you know it, you don't even know how to feed yourself. Okay, so ill-informed strategies. You need to take fat loss seriously. If you are not taking fat loss seriously, your body's going to pay the price. Because like, as I mentioned before, biologically speaking, your body doesn't want to get leaner. It wants to remain at homeostasis. So you're going to have to throw it out of balance in order to get the results that you want and then teach it to stay there, which often takes a couple of months for your body to, it's called a settling point. There's a lot of arguments around body fat set point, settling points. I've steered clear from a lot of those discussions because there's still a lot of debate happening. But for now, what we can understand is that it is a feedback mechanism where at a lower body fat percentage, you require less energy. And yes, your appetite might be higher at that point, but you just have to change your food choices in order to accommodate that. So let's talk about that. When it comes to managing your appetite, this is one of the biggest things you can do for yourself. One of the biggest things. So focusing on whole foods rich in protein and fiber to allow for that satiation. And many find their appetite is better controlled by adding carbs after fearing or avoiding them, but experiment, see what works for you, and then limiting or reducing liquid calories. Yeah, those aren't going to provide satiety for you. So having you know a bottle of wine every night, I know that can be more extreme, but that is something that is providing zero satiety for you. And not everything has to be looked at through the lens of, oh, is this going to be satiating? No, I eat processed foods all the time. I enjoy a margarita and a glass of wine, but the vast majority consists of whole foods. So when it comes to managing your appetite, I don't want you to think of it as, oh, I have to be controlling. I just want you to think of it as, okay, how can I shift my environment to make achieving my goals as easy as possible? Because when we think of environment, and this is where people get hung up on, okay, my body fat percentage would stay the same no matter what. If I were to place myself in an environment where all the only options I had were Big Macs and donuts, I would feel very hungry and I would be eating a lot more calories than I would be now, just simply because those foods are going to run through me in two seconds. I'm going to be hungry shortly after eating probably a 700 calorie meal and my appetite is going to be raging. So I'm going to be eating more calories than I am now when I am making whole food choices primarily. So that doesn't mean that I'm meant to be at a body fat percentage based on, you know, McDonald's and donuts. It's based on our environment and the types of foods that we are consuming. Now, of course, there are going to be extremes with this. So if I'm getting down to a body fat percentage that is unhealthily lean in terms of, okay, I'm nearing my essential body fat stores like physique competitors do or and I'm getting down to a body fat percentage where my period disappears, then yeah, it doesn't matter what my appetite is really signaling to me at that point. And it would make sense that my appetite increases regardless of the types of foods that I'm eating. So there are nuances here, but you're going to have a really tough time. Anyone is 
if you are not eating foods that are satiating. And of course, we want to focus on health and well-being and what is respectful of your body too. Eating Big Macs and donuts is not respecting my body. It's not giving my body the chance to thrive at all. Okay, so I don't want you to think of it as controlling your appetite. I want you to think of it as how can I provide the best environment via my food choices to allow my body to maintain this body weight that I would like to maintain. Heal your relationship with food is the next thing that's super important. Your beliefs and thoughts about food, your body, what you feel like you deserve, what you believe your value is in this world, all of these things impact your behaviors when it comes to food. And if you think that you can go lose weight and then work on these things, you're going to have a really, really tough time maintaining your results if you achieve them at all in the first place. You're not going to have that sense of ease and trust in the process that I teach inside of SLA. Because you're going to feel like you cannot trust your body. You're going to be obsessing about food still. If you're already starting a deficit, like I mentioned, obsessing about food, you have a really, really tough time when it comes to achieving results throughout that fat loss phase. And then maintaining that, you are going to feel so panicked the entire time. And my heart breaks even just thinking about that. So please, please, please work on your relationship with food first. Then I want you to focus on sustainable lifestyle habits first as well. The reason this is important is you're going to have to have something to return to. And the strategy that I teach inside of SLA is really subtle, moderate adjustments from your healthy habit lifestyle. So you need to get that nailed down first because then you're going to have to have something to return to. Further, many people are not at the body composition they want because they have neglected the lifestyle shifts because that involves saying goodbye to some things forever saying goodbye to drinking a bottle of wine every night, saying goodbye to not using food, or rather saying goodbye to using food to manage your emotions and your stressors. And that can feel scary. It can feel overwhelming to look at that and say, I have to change all of these things about how I'm interacting with food. And lifestyle habits often intersect quite greatly with your relationship with food. So focus on those two things first. Those two things alone could get you to your body composition goals. Absolutely. If you struggle with chronic overeating, focusing on your relationship with food in your body, what do you think that's going to do to your overeating habits? It's going to naturally take care of those. And what happens when you stop chronically overeating? Yes, you are going to get leaner. So focus on those things first. And then when it comes to more advanced strategies, and kind of working with that decrease in meat that you might experience is increase extra movement if you're able to with low impact cardio like walking. So that's not technically neat because if it's intentional, if you're going saying, okay, I'm going out on a walk, that's not increasing your neat. You're just exercising. You're increasing your exercise. But nuances aside like that, basically you're just trying to counteract the decrease in energy burn that is spontaneously happening without you even realizing it, you're blinking less, you're fidgeting less, what have you, then you can go try and counteract that by going on more walks. And then engage in exercise. We want to enable that satiety sensitivity that I mentioned. Okay, so preferably strength training because we want to have that additional muscle mass or be maintaining that muscle mass. Usually that's for physique purposes too, right? If you don't just want to 
um, be smaller. Most women want to have that more quote unquote toned look. It's okay if that's not for you, but just for overall health purposes, strength training is super important and muscle allows for that leaner look as well. And then proactively manage your stress, including excessive exercise. Excessive exercise, more than you can recover from on top of a stressful lifestyle. This is what led me to my 25-pound weight gain in six months. I was not managing my stress properly at all. I was working full-time in corporate. I was working a lot on this job, this business that I was building on the side. And I was doing CrossFit three to five times a week. And eventually, my body broke down. I just could not take it anymore. It will make things very difficult for you. And if you'll if feel the high for a while, trust me. And then eventually, it will come crashing down. And prioritize sleep consistency. So the best thing that you can do for your sleep is get into a consistent rhythm. Our bodies love routine. Love, love, love. So try to get to bed earlier. Try to go to bed at the same time. If you're a weekday and week end, sleep patterns are very different. Start managing those. I know there are so many good shows. Trust me if you're watching Netflix or whatever at night. Try to give yourself that extra sleep and see how that impacts your appetite. When it comes to the social barriers, okay, so environment, I want you to focus on what you can control. Can you change where you socialize? Can you change how you socialize? Do you have to be drinking alcohol every time you are socializing? Does everything have to be centered around going out and partying? Or does everything have to be centered around food? I love food. I love socializing around food, but I've done a lot of work on how to trust myself in all situations. So that's not something that I need to work on. Something to keep in mind though, does everything have to be, if everything is a big McDonald's or whatever night and that's not aligning with your goals, that's something to consider. Can you bring food to certain situations? So if you're in an environment where, okay, there aren't any healthy restaurant options, sure, the menu, I'm sure you can find something, but bear with me here. Or you go to parties where the only thing that's ever served there is Papa John's pizza. Can you start bringing your own food? Can, and not in a controlling way, but just in a way that says, I would like to have more options to contribute to my well-being and my goals. And can you join groups focused on health? Community is so, so, so important. So fitness environments. I've made some of my best friends through CrossFit in Denver. I no longer do CrossFit, but the community aspect of it, I absolutely love. And I think it's incredibly important when it comes to allowing you to achieve your goals in an easier way. And people there automatically understand, right? They're not going to look at you weird if you're like, hey, I'm trying to achieve these goals or I'm prioritizing my health. You're going to get a round of applause. Healing your relationship with food versus intentional weight loss. Okay, That is something that's really important to focus on. And developing confidence with all foods versus just making things easier on yourself. So we need to differentiate between those things when it comes to your environment. You're going to use different strategies. So for example, if you're working on your relationship with food, then learning to trust yourself around all foods is going to be important. Now, if you already have that down and you're in a fat loss phase, then removing 
some of those foods from your house, let's say the extra ice cream and chips and whatever, if that makes it easier for you to achieve your physique goals, then that might be a good idea. But this is why it's important to know where you are in your journey. If you're working on your relationship with food and you already can't trust yourself around ice cream and chips, then removing them from your house and telling yourself you can't have those is going to work against you. I prescribe the opposite for women in that situation. I say eat it every single day until you can trust yourself around it. But if you are completely confident and at ease around those foods, then saying, okay, I just don't need to be around those because it just makes my job harder here when I'm in a fat loss phase, then removing those is going to be helpful. So it's important to understand where you are, healing your relationship with food versus targeting intentional weight loss. This is why pursuing both of those at the same time makes essentially make sure that you're not achieving either of those. Follow people on social media who have the values and lifestyle habits that you want to emulate. You get to curate your social media. Don't follow people who are having either negative relationships with food, if that's where you're at, or if you're in a fat loss phase. Don't follow people who are sitting there not prioritizing, pursuing their goals, or they sit around complaining, or they sit around acting like a victim, or whatever it is, a lot of negativity. Curate your feed to follow people who are where you want to be. If someone has a beautiful relationship with food while they're pursuing their fat loss goals, follow those people. Not to try and copy what they do, but just to try and see what that energy is like. It'll show your brain what's possible. In terms of relationships, identify those positive versus negative influences in your life and adjust accordingly. And that's really all there is to say about that one. Everyone knows what I mean by that is if there are people who are trying to deter you away from your goals, usually that's coming from a place of insecurity. They don't want to be left behind. You're going to have to communicate that and adjust accordingly if they are not going to honor your boundaries. And in terms of time, focus on things that move the needle. Because we don't all have the same time, okay, I have a lot more time than a lot of other people. That will shift at some point in my life when I was trying to build this business while working full-time on top of trying to keep up with everything, my time was very, very limited. So focus on things that actually move the needle. And this is why understanding how your body actually works is super important. Because if you're focusing on trying to restrict carbs and that doesn't fucking matter, you're going to be spinning your wheels using the little time that you have on something that does not matter. If you feel like I have to do an intense workout every single day, taking up an hour of your time, when you could go for a nice relaxing walk and you could prep some food or do something else that will actually contribute towards your goals, it's going to be a big difference. So identify time sucks in your day that don't align with your values or your goals. And make sure that you're not just following someone else's plan. This is why trying to copy what Beyonce does is not going to work because you don't have the same lifestyle or time that Beyonce does. When it comes to those emotional barriers. Identify your values and make necessary adjustments. So this requires courage. It requires that tolerance of discomfort. Make sure that you know what is important to you in your life and adjust. If going through an intentional fat loss phase for a couple months is important to you, and it absolutely can be, don't let anyone tell you differently, then adjust accordingly. Make sure at the same time And I do all this in SLA because it's so important. Make sure that you're not sacrificing the bigger picture things that are important to you. Your relationships, your career. Learn how to balance 
all of these things. Identify those values and make necessary adjustments. Make sure when it comes to your stress, you have things that are going to contribute to your well-being. Meditate, call your friends, spend time in nature, remove gossip and negativity, curate your media, listen to uplifting podcasts and books, remove excessive screen time. Make a list of all the things that you're doing throughout the day and say, how many of these things are contributing to me feeling the way I want to feel? Make a list of all the things you're doing that are contributing to you feeling the way you don't want to feel and see the disparity between those lists. I did this recently and I was like, oh shit, I have some adjustments that I need to make here. And then of course, if you have a history of trauma, work with a trauma-informed specialist and expand your tolerance for discomfort, like I mentioned. So choose one thing that you find to be overwhelming to you and slowly expose yourself to this and reassure yourself that you can handle it. Repeat, okay? It's a practice. As I mentioned with the overeating, if you feel really uncomfortable leaving food on your plate, and I did too, I remember it so clearly, practice. Practice sharing your food. Practice sitting there and taking a deep breath, saying, it's okay, brain. We're fine. There will always be more food. I can eat again. I will eat again in a couple of hours. And I'm grateful for the food I have. Okay, that goes back to your relationship with food. One hundo P. And then when it comes to ill-informed strategies, don't follow meal plans for the love. I've had women join SLA who said, yes, I'm ready for the sustainable thing. In reality, they joined because they wanted quick fat loss and they wanted to be told exactly what to do. That's not what SLA is. I'm not here to give you a script and a list of foods that you should and shouldn't eat at what time and what quantity. That is the opposite of what SLA is about. If that's what you want, I am not the coach for you. I am not an advocate of meal plans. Instead, I want you to play the long game and be willing to learn about yourself and your body, what you like, what you don't like, what your body likes, how to engage with those foods that you fear. Using a meal plan is a way to make you feel safe for the short term to achieve some results, but it doesn't leave you prepared to understand how to maintain the results and navigate the rest of your life. These types of things make us stupider. And instead of focusing on your goals for, okay, what do I want in three months, which is fine, instead focus on six, 12, 24 months. What this does is this makes you accountable to, okay, I know that I want to, let's say I want to lose fat. I want to get leaner, but Physically, my body's too stressed right now. It's not ready. Or my relationship with food is not ready. Focusing on where you want to be in 12 months, 24 months, will make sure that you're making the right decision for yourself. Short-term gratification, we're human. We all have it, but it's not what's going to serve us. And as I mentioned about 20 times already, kill your relationship with food in your body and yourself first. Focus on those sustainable lifestyle habits. And then you've bought yourself the ticket to focus on intentional fat loss. If you do have a healthy relationship with food and you want to keep it, as I hope you do, protect your relationship with food at all costs, I would love to have you join me inside of SLA, Sustainably Lean Academy. So everything I share is what I use to lose 5 to 6% of my body weight in 12 weeks from mid-October last year through mid-January of this year. So about three months, exactly where we are right now in 2022. And of course, I have maintained all of it. Feel great. Relationship with food is on point. Nothing has changed there. It's a self-paced course that will teach you everything that you need to know 
to get leaner and keep the results all while keeping your sanity with food, which is so, so, so important to me and I hope to you. And if you need to focus on your lifestyle habits first, then I recommend you start with Healthy Habits Foundations. And you can bundle that with SLA if you know that you're eventually going to want to do SLA. You can bundle that for $100 off at checkout. All details, all client feedback is linked below. As I mentioned, I did this exact same process. Everything I teach you inside of the course is what I use. And I will be using again probably here in 2023. Course enrollment is closing into late January when it will open up as a group program. And of course, if you purchase now and you decide that you want to go through it with me and the other ladies as a group format in January, it will absolutely be available to you. It'll just be at a lower price point because you will have already paid for the course. Any questions at all, go ahead and hop on over to Instagram. Send me a DM, Jesse M. Golden. I hope this episode is really helpful for you. I want to honor that fat loss is not easy. You have a lot of things that you need to go against societally when it comes to your biology. You need to know how to work with these things. It is difficult. You need to be informed. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Fat loss is serious business because there can be intense ramifications if you are not prepared for that. It can leave you worse off mentally and physically if you don't know what you're doing. Okay, so take it seriously. At the same time, know that there is so much hope for you. It can actually be an enjoyable process for you. 100%. I know it was for me and for so many of my clients. I love you all and I will see you in the next episode.